You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Today's scripture comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered round that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. The word of God for the people of God. Gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
Well, at the point when the Beatles wrote the song, Help, they were maturing as songwriters. John Lennon was good friends with Bob Dylan at the time, and he encouraged, Bob encouraged John to write from his heart. So he began to delve into more sophisticated themes, and this is known as the middle period in the life of the Beatles. They wrote personal lyrics with emotional melodies, and that became the rule, not the exception. Now, they were given the task of writing a song for their second movie. Now, they knew that this movie would be a smash hit, that the song would take right off, because that's what happened the second time. And so um, they got to work. They were given the title of the song, Help. But then things got hard. They stopped working on it because they ran into trouble. The writer of the film, Richard Lester, had gone to the lawyers, which was common, to talk to the copyright lawyers to see if there was, um, if it was okay for them to use the song. Well, the lawyers said, mm, no, there's already something with that title. Can you come up with something else? And so they tried to come up with another name for the song uh, that would also be the name of the movie and they just couldn't, nothing really fit with what they wanted to do. So they went back to the lawyers and said, can we have, a, you know, is there any way we can have this song? And the lawyers said, well, do you have any punctuation with the word help? And uh, they said, well, we don't, but we could certainly add an exclamation point. Well, okay, if you do that, then you can have the title because there's no help with an exclamation point. So that was on April 11th of 1965 that the song was approved. And the, John and Paul went out to John's house in Kenwood and they started writing the song. And by April 13th, two days later, they were in the recording studio working out the final arrangements and recording the song. Now, the Beatles could have written just any old pop song, an innocent standard that was very easy for them to churn out, but instead, the song Help became John's most revealing song. He really shared his own feelings, and he'd never done that so clearly before in any of his songs. He was proud of it. In an interview in 1980, he said, the only true songs I ever wrote were Hope and Strawberry Fields. They were the only ones I really wrote from experience and not projecting myself into a situation and writing a nice story about it, which I always found phony. He said, the lyric is as good now as it was then. It makes me feel secure to know that I was that sensible, aware of myself back then. I was losing myself, my old way of doing things to the pop star created by the band. He said he was really crying for help. But I'm not sure that anyone realized that. Because we don't always recognize cries for help. And asking for help is almost countercultural. It goes against our American values of self-sufficiency. And a lot of people just aren't willing to ask for help. There was a study done that surveyed 2,000 people, uh, asking them if they were willing to ask for help in general. Out of the 2,536 said that they're not willing. One in four people are not willing to ask for help in general. And then another study was done, and this one was asking people in, your, in a new situation, are you willing to ask for help? And that one came back 
that only one in four people will ask for help in a new situation because a lot of people didn't want to, they wanted to cover up if they didn't know what they were doing or how it was going, and so they didn't want to ask for help. We struggle. We all have our reasons for not asking for help, and some will admit it, and others may not. The Harvard, there's an article in the Harvard Business Review that talks about reasons that we don't ask for help and gives several reasons that I think probably we can relate to at least some of them. The fear of being vulnerable. Uh, people don't want to appear weak or are insecure or inferior, and so they just don't ask. Uh, the need to be independent, right? This is that self-reliance. We don't want to ask for help because we can do it on our own. Some of us don't ask for help because we don't want to lose control. We have a fear of losing control. We, it's hard for us to trust someone else, and we really know how we want something to be done, and uh, so we want it done the right way so we won't ask for help. And also, we just don't want to be beholden to anyone. There's the fear of rejection. People fear that someone will say, no, I'm not going to help you. And really, that doesn't happen that often. And if it does, it's usually not about you. It's about something going on in their life. Then this one, I think, is really good. And I see this a lot, and I probably do it myself. Over-empathizing with someone, where we decide for them that they don't have the time to help us, that they, we don't want to be a burden on them, we, they don't need to have to deal with this, with everything that's going on in their lives, and so we don't ask them for help. And then finally, the review says there's a sense of victimhood. People don't ask for help because they don't think that they deserve help. And then there are some subjects that still feel too taboo, that we don't want to ask for help because we're embarrassed or we're too down to ask. Now, when you hear the song, Help, it's a fun song, right? It's like you're just kind of dancing along to it and everything. But have you ever really listened to the lyrics? When I was young, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. But now those days are gone. I'm not so self-assured. Help me if you can. I'm feeling down and I do appreciate that you're around. Help me get my feet back on the ground. Please, please, won't you help me? Lennon explains that he wrote this at his Fat Elvis period. He said, you see the movie, my character is very fat, very insecure, and he's completely lost himself. And I'm singing about when I was so much younger and all the rest, looking back at how easy it was. Now, I'm very positive, yes, yes, but I also go through deep depressions where I'd like to jump out the window, you know? With the benefit of hindsight, it was clear to Lennon that something was wrong, and... Paul McCartney saw that too. In 2020, he did an interview in which he talked about mental health, and he said that mental health was never at the top of the agenda. There were a lot of things we had to work through, and you didn't talk about mental health, he said. It was something that really, as four guys, you were more likely to make fun of than be serious about. And the making fun of it was to hide from it. Depression and anxiety weren't talked about then, and it was even rarer to get help in that situation. Back in the early 90s, uh, when I went through a period of depression as a teenager, 
um, I went through a lot of tests before anyone knew what was going on with me. All they knew was like, that I was not eating, I was lying on the couch or not getting out of bed, and my parents couldn't figure it out, so they took me to several doctors and they sent me through all kinds of tests and they just couldn't figure it out until finally I saw a psychiatrist who knew right away that I was depressed. I was anxious and confused. Now today, I think it might be more obvious to many because we talk about depression and anxiety. We recognize it, it's more common, or at least talking about it is. The Mental Health Foundation defines anxiety as a type of fear usually associated with the thought of a threat or something going wrong in the future. But it can also arise from something that's happening right now, and it often leads to depression. 28% of people aged 16 to 29 have, rep have reported high levels of anxiety. And in the 2022-23 year, 37.1% of women and 29.9% of men have reported having high levels of anxiety. In 2015, it was 21.8% of women and 18.3% of men. But I don't think we really talk about it enough. Enough to make asking for help the norm, because you can't get through depression and anxiety on your own, wishing it away, willing yourself to be strong and overcome. We need to rewrite our inner scripts. And there's tools like counseling and medication and reframing the problem so that we understand it's not within someone's ability to just get better because they decided to. There are people who want to help, people who are trained to help. We just have to be willing. And sometimes it takes a friend to help us recognize what's going on. Several years ago, not too long after I went through that depression, my dad was talking with a man in his office, someone he supervised, and he realized that the man was depressed. He could see all the signs. He recognized it from his experience with me. And he talked to the man, and he said, I think this is what was going on because he kind of visibly saw him falling apart and so he helped him to get help and a little while later the man came back to work and was doing fine. If you don't know the signs for depression and anxiety I really hope that you will google it because sometimes help comes from others from those who can see it those who can recognize it so please simple google will will tell you what to do. One of my favorite gospel stories is the story of the paralytical man who has four paralytic man who has four friends who help him to see Jesus. Jesus is home and uh, he lives in a very you know it's a very small house. It's actually probably not his house, one of his disciples' house. They're home, and that doesn't deter anybody. There's you know no boundaries. Everybody comes in to see him. The house is totally full, totally packed of people, standing room only. And um, there's a paralytic man whose friends bring him on a stretcher to see Jesus. Now, they try to go, and of course, they can't get in there. There's no space. But they didn't give up. They didn't go home. They found another way. They went on to the roof. And Mark says that they dug through because the, the roof was likely made of mud and reeds. They lowered the man down to Jesus. And Jesus saw the man's friend, and again in Mark it says, Seeing their faith, 
he addressed the paralyzed man, and he healed him. Now, I've always wondered about the conversation that led up to that moment. Like, whose idea was it? Was it the, the friends? Did one of them say they heard about Jesus, went and got some other friends and said, hey, let's go get our friend and, and bring him to see Jesus? Or did they all four? Did, I mean, was the knowledge of Jesus so common that they just all went and got him? Or was it the, the paralytics idea? Hey, would you guys help me? I kind of think I mean, when I think about it, I think, oh, it's probably the friend's idea, right? Like, they decided that they wanted to help him, and they went up to see him, and then I wonder what happened. Like, did the paralytic man say, oh, no, you guys, that's too much trouble. Don't worry. I'm fine. No big deal. Because, you know, that's what a lot of people say, right? Or did he say, yes, oh, man, thank you so much. Please take me to see Jesus. I need help. Anyway, I'd like it to think it was that second way that the man was willing to take help because that's what it is to be in Christian community, that we help one another. And Jesus calls us to help each other. When we don't allow ourselves to help or we, when we don't allow others to help, we're not allowing them to live out their faith. And friends, we all need friends like those four friends we all need stretcher bearers, people who are willing to believe for us when we can't believe ourselves, when we feel there's no way out, when we just need help, and people who want to help, people who go out of their way that will tear off the roofs to help, not just because it feels good to help, but because we're called to love others and because that's what you do when you take up that call and when you are a friend. Now, Adam Hamilton says about this passage, everyone needs stretcher bearers like these, friends who will carry you when you are at your weakest, friends who will not only pray for you, but will do whatever it takes to help you get back on your feet. In my experience, he says, the only way to have stretcher bearers is to be a stretcher bearer like that for someone else. We all need stretcher bearers, friends who recognize our need for help, and even if we don't see it in ourselves, at least right away. Many of us help, but we also need to be willing to ask for help and to accept help. Now today, uh, my stories are, are a little personal because this is one of those topics where I don't feel like I can share other people's business, right? It's not my story to tell, so I'm just going to share my stories today. And I think I've told you about Barbara before. She was a member of the last church I served, and um, one day, when my son Ben was younger, uh, he uh, transferred schools, went to a new school. But this school, you had to drop off and pick up. There was no busing, and so I had to be at the school at 3 o'clock every day to pick him up, which was not always easy or convenient for me, um, because most people's days don't necessarily end at that time. And so I wasn't always able to do that, and I was kind of bemoaning to, to Barbara, oh, i got to figure out how to do this, because... My husband, Mike, was working in Lansing, and it just didn't work. And she's like, well, I'll, I'll pick him up for you one day a week at least. I could help. And I was like, oh, no, that's okay, Barbara. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it, but I'll figure it out. Because I didn't want to shirk my responsibilities as a mother, right? I, I needed to take care of that myself. I didn't need help. Well, then she said, I would really like to do this. And so I said, okay. And I decided to let her do it one day a week. And then she comes back 
a week later, she's like, you know, I really could do this two days a week. And I said, are you sure? Yes, I'm really enjoying it. I would like to do that. And then um, Ben began wrestling, and so after school, he stayed at school to wrestle. And when he was done with that, it was no problem to go pick him up because my day was done. But Barbara still wanted to pick him up because she was missing picking him up. So she would still go and pick him up twice a week. And pretty soon, when I got caught in a meeting or Mike and I got caught at a doctor's appointment or something like that, we would just call Barbara because she knew how to do that crazy parent pickup line. And she could go and pick him up. Barbara has no grandchildren, and she'll tell you that Ben became her grandson. She helped me, and Ben helped her, and it wasn't a big need. It was just a need that I had. I needed help, and if I had said no, then Barbara and Ben would have missed out on being stretcher bearers for one another. We don't know if John Lennon ever got help. It seems mostly like his cry for help wasn't recognized until later. My prayer is that that will never be the case for anyone in this congregation. My prayer is that we will be stretcher bearers for one another. When you are in a bind, when you are hurting or grieving or struggling, you will know that we are here for you. Stretcher bearers, here to help. And if you don't just have those hard things. Those doesn't have to be those really hard times. It could be picking your kid up from school. It could be watching your kid. It could be taking you to an appointment or driving you somewhere or just someone who can talk to you when you need someone to talk. Your church is here. But sometimes we don't always need, know what you need. And so asking for help helps, even though it's hard. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.